Many personalities of Pastor Kyle, our student pastor. Thanks for that, Kyle. I actually felt like maybe it was like a Chinese movie when you went into that voice, like your lips should be moving differently than what's coming. <laughs> oh, hey, I want to get started with a couple questions for you this morning. Uh, the first question is this. How many of you would consider yourself to be a decisive person? You really enjoy making decisions. That's you this morning. All right. How many of you struggle to make a decision to save your life? <laughs> okay. A broad number of people in that camp. How many of you would say that you are planners? You love to plan, have it all in order. Go ahead. How many of you are definitely not? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. It's interesting because today we're going to have a conversation about decision making and planning. And how do we make decisions? What, what are the things that we process when we're thinking about planning for our future or for the future of our family? And whether we're aware of it or not, whether we're aware of it or not most of us do a little front-end legwork before we make plans. It doesn't matter whether you are a planner or a decision-maker or not. We all have these processes that go on as we're contemplating making decisions or making plans. Some of us might get advice from others. Others of us might weigh out the pros and cons in our mind or create big lists of those. Uh, we might fly a few of our decision-making ideas by some other people, possibly you might consider the resource implications of a decision you're going to make. What's that going to cost us? Uh, how much time is that going to take? That kind of thing. Uh, whatever it is, some of you might even pray about your big decisions. But ultimately, all of those things and maybe some other things are eventually going to lead you to make a decision. Well, then what happens once you make the decision? Well, this, I think a lot of this has to do with our personality. For me, I'm a big idea guy. I'm kind of a, a guy who flies at 10,000 feet. I'm a big picture guy. Uh, get, keep me out of the weeds of the details. That's just discouraging for me. However, not only do I like to be a part of the big picture, but I also love to enjoy this uh, or to be a part of the strategic planning that moves us along towards that big picture. I get energized by it, uh, strategic planning. So what usually happens is not long after I make a big decision is I go into a strategic planning mode and I, I kind of line out the steps that need to happen in order to get to that decision. And usually that involves prioritizing those steps on some level. Now, if you're this way, if you're a, someone who enjoys strategizing and, and kind of decision making, sometimes depending on the urgency of the goal, I will admit that I can become laser focused laser focused on accomplishing all of those steps that I've created for myself in order to reach that outcome. And this can be a good thing because that focus helps you reach those goals and it helps you get things done. But there is a downside if you're kind of laser focused. If you get hyper focused, when I get hyper focused on this plan that I've made, there are still lots of things and dynamics happening around me, even as I'm pursuing that with great focus, that oftentimes I miss because I'm so focused on the thing that I've decided. I'm not really allowing my plans to work in, in harmony with other things that are important in my life. Say, for instance, like my wife's thoughts or opinions about whatever it is that I'm focused on. So I was speaking theoretically. Let me bring this into a practical example now. We are moving into a vacation week this week. Um, after today, uh, we will be on vacation. And so for 20-plus years, we have spent our primary vacation going to the beach each year. And I'm a beach guy, so I look forward to those weeks, all week or weeks, however much time we have, I look forward to that all year long. Well, this year, we had a different opportunity come up, and we are not going to the beach, we are going to the Poconos, another great place to vacation, and I'm very excited about that, this opportunity to go on vacation with my family in the Poconos. However, as we've moved through the summer, the beach has been calling to me. 
And you understand, if you are a beach person, that the beach, it just calls you. And you can't, you can't avoid, ignore the call, it's just calling, it's beckoning me to come home, come back to where you belong on the shores there. Uh, the wind, the waves, the sand, the sun, it's all good for me. So I've been processing this as we're getting ready for vacation. And a couple of weeks ago, I came up with this idea, and I got on Google Maps, and I looked, and I said, huh, from where we are in the Poconos, I can be to a number of beaches in about two and a half to three hours. And I started to map this out strategically and think about, yeah, we could take one of the days, you know, and I could get up in the morning, load up the family, and, you know, we could drive that three hours, you know, to the beach that day and spend late morning and afternoon there and put everybody back in the car and drive back to the Poconos and I'll get my beach fix and it'll be fun. We'll make it fun. I'll make it a great day for everybody. So I'm walking through all this and I'm running it by some of my older kids and kind of planning this idea and I'm getting all excited about it and, you know, uh, there are details to be worked out. I'm not concerned about that. You know, we'll figure those out. But the strategy and the big goal, are we going to get there? Well, I decided a few days ago I probably ought to run this by my wife because <laughs> I realized that in my focus, laser focus, I had not really brought this plan of mine, this sub-plan within the vacation plan to her attention. So I ran it by Jen, and let me just sum it up by saying she had different ideas than I did. She had some, some different ideas about what that would look like to take everybody to the beach and back in, in one day. And uh, so that idea didn't go over so well. So, so here's the thing. I, I can get hyper-focused on plans, and I can, I can really get focused on, on uh, kind of accomplishing whatever it is that the goal that's in front of me. The flip side, though, of over-planning and maybe some of you experienced this, is where there's no planning. And whether this is in your family or this is you personally and you really struggle with that, there's no thought process for how we're going to accomplish anything. And then if you're in that environment where there's no planning, then often it feels like your lives become a bit of a hamster wheel where you feel like you're always running but you're really not going anywhere or making any progress. Has anyone ever been in an environment like that? There's just no planning going into it. So... Here's what's important for you to know this morning. No matter what side of the spectrum you fall on personally, or if you're somewhere in the middle, it can be problematic no matter where you land in the sense that if you don't allow God to be a part of the equation in a way that's meaningful, and if he's not a part of your planning and decision-making, your life is going to lack the impact and the blessing that God wanted you to experience in, in those plans as you walk through life. So we can plan as much or as little as we want, but if God isn't a part of the equation, he's not going to be able to bless us fully the way he intended to. And we've looked at this throughout the book of James. In chapter 1, we talked about God's blessing, which actually translates in chapter 1 to God-granted happiness, that it's God's desire for us to experience his happiness in life. But he gives it to us in, in, a, in a way that is received as a blessing and it requires obedience on our part or being faithful to him. So James revisits this over and over again. God has this desire to bless us to this full extent, but if we don't find a way to enable God to intersect with our planning and with our goal setting, then we're going to miss out on a lot of the things that he had planned for us along the way. And this is what we're going to jump into today in the book of James. Now, if you are new with us today, I want to welcome you. We've been working through the book of James the book of James is a letter that James wrote to the early church, and it's divided into five chapters. And so we are at the end of chapter four, which means we only have one more chapter left after today. The next couple of weeks, we're going to tackle chapter five. But James kind of, uh, the whole book of James is based on James saying, if you lack wisdom, you can ask God and he'll give it to you. 
And so James has some really practical, hard-hitting wisdom for people who want to follow Christ. If you're here today and you say, I want to follow Jesus, then the wisdom that James gives is very practical. However, you're going to find today that James does not mince his words again. Uh, all five verses that we're going to look at today, James just brings it, and he brings it hardcore. But I think it's a great reminder for us because often we need challenged in the way that we're living our lives. So today we're going to learn that we can experience God's blessing if we hold our plans loosely enough that we can pay attention to the invitations that God is giving around us and be obedient to him in the moment. So I'd love it if you'd take out your, your Bibles and you could turn to James chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can just pull out your outline and follow along. All the scripture will be there in your outline, and uh, it'll be on the screens as well for you to follow along. James is challenging us to live a responsive life of faith as we plan for right now, not forever. And that's the first point. We plan for now, not forever, when we, number one, let God's desires determine the outcomes of our lives. When we, when we let God's desires determine the outcomes. And I'm going to start reading in verse 13 of chapter 4. It says this, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Again, some encouraging words from James as we jump in this morning. So let me give you a little bit of context here to this part of the letter. Uh, James is telling a story. He's using an illustration uh, about some businessmen who develop a plan to go out and to make some money. And when you initially hear this plan that these people come up with, it doesn't really seem like there's anything wrong with it. As a matter of fact, if you're anything like me and you are a planner and you're strategic, the plan that these guys come up with sounds like something I might come up with, right? You're going to travel to a certain city. You're going to spend some time there. You're going to stay there for a year. You're going to do business with the end outcome of you want to make some money. But James comes in then and he hits the, his listeners over the head, uh, these early Christians, uh, with this strong statement. He says, you don't even know what your life will be like tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then van vanishes. And James is basically saying, how can you plan as if you already know what the future holds? There's only one person who knows what the future holds, and you didn't even involve him in your planning. It wasn't even a part of your plan. Now, there's nothing wrong with making plans, but when you make them in this way, when you decide the outcome, when you decide ahead of time what is your desired outcome, what is your will to be done in this situation, then James says you don't allow room for God's guidance, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. You know, when you and I lock into what we believe the formula is for success in life, whether that is success in something in our relationship or in our family or whether it's at work, professionally, in some other way, when we lock into what we believe our formula is for success, we are too often so stubborn that we don't allow God to be involved in the process. And I think sometimes that's because we feel like what if God messes up my plan, right? Earlier, when I asked how many of you love making decisions, a lot of people said, no, I hate making decisions. It's a challenge for me. We work so hard to make decisions that I think sometimes once we actually come up with a decision and we make a plan, we're a little bit scared to get God involved in it, right? Because what if he has a different desire? What if he changes things up on us? You know, what if God goes a different way than what I wanted to go? Now, I know a lot of you who might be like me, who are planners or decision makers, you're probably sitting there asking some questions like, 
well, how in the world are you going to plan for something if you don't know what the desired outcome is? You know, any strategic goal-setting class that I've ever taken, it always says you've got to know what your desired outcome is, and then you, you know, all kinds of different steps that you can take to get there and different means of, of planning. Some of you might be thinking, you know, of course I don't know the future, but I can at least set goals and take steps to achieve them, right? Is there anything wrong with that? And my answer to that, and I believe James' answer to that, would also be, of course you can. Of course you can make plans and set goals. The point that James is making here is, don't do it alone. If you're a Christ follower, don't plan on your own. Don't plan without God. Let me give you an example from my life. When Jen and I were married, we knew that we wanted to have a family. And my wife had this picture in her mind of these stair-step children, you know, kind of boom, boom, boom. Now, I will tell you that the picture in her mind had more stair steps than what I think initially the picture in my mind had. I had a few less stair-step children than what she had in her picture. But each of them, a couple of years apart, this was kind of the dream. So we got married, and we got busy before we were married too long. Uh, before we were married two years, our son Eric was born. He was our firstborn. And about that, uh, the time that Eric was a year old, we found out that my wife was pregnant again. Our plan was going brilliantly, moving things right along. But three months into that second pregnancy, my wife miscarried, and we lost that baby. And I think as any of you know who have lost a child, uh, that can be an especially challenging season in your life, and uh, especially for the mom. Just a tough time. But to make that situation even more complex emotionally, for us, we had a number of friends who in that same season had also lost babies. And some of them were struggling with infertility, others of them were struggling with what was called secondary infertility. And because that surrounded us in that time and there was so much loss that people were experiencing, our desired outcome, our plan for our family, felt like it was derailed, or maybe it was in jeopardy. Because now the stair step wouldn't be as close together. Now th what what if it's delayed? What if us being able to have a family didn't work out the way that we had dreamed it was going to work out? And it was in that season that my wife and I went to a conference for pastors and their wives. The irony of it was I was about seven years into ministry at the time, and this was a conference for burnt-out pastors and their wives. Uh, and we did have a pretty challenging first six years in ministry, and I guess considering that most pastors don't make it past five years on average these days, uh, I'm pretty grateful that I can sit here this morning and say I've been doing this for 26 years, and very thankful, just that, yeah, glory to God. Just all of our jobs are tough, right? All of our jobs are tough. God puts a calling on our life, and, and, and staying faithful to it is challenging. It really is. And so at that time, uh, here we are at this conference, and I was so grateful because really what it was was a group of pastors and counselors who were just pouring in to, to young pastors. And it was so encouraging in that time. And I can remember the night we were sitting in this conference room, and the question was asked, what dream do you need to surrender to God in order for you to live out his dream? In order for you to, what dream do you need to surrender of yours to God so that he can give you his dream and you can live out his dream for your life, for your, your ministry. And they ask us to draw it out in a picture. And I remember sitting there and I'm like, man, I can't, my mind's full of all kinds of things, but I couldn't think of anything to draw. And I, I looked beside me and my, Jen's just scribbling away and she's a far better artist than I am anyway. So she's like drawing all, so I thought, oh, I'm going to cheat off her. What's she doing? I'll, 
I'll draw the same thing. So I'm looking over at what she's doing. I see this, this family, and I see these stair-step kids just boom, 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 boom. And I looked at that, and I thought, wow, God, that's true. You know, that's, in, in that moment, it was so timely. And so, you know, we took that picture of a stair-step family out, and they had created a little fire pit out there. And part of the act of surrender was just to take your dream and allow it to burn so that you could receive God's dream for you, and you could live out his dream. And I remember as we surrendered it to God, we prayed and asked God for his desires, for his desired outcome for our family, not for our desired outcome, that his, his dream for our family would come true, saying, God, you determine the outcome in our life. And this is why James says that our lives are like a mist. Our lives are so fragile. We're only here for a short time, so why spin our wheels trying to accomplish goals that God was never invited to be a part of? James says, why use your life like that? You're here for such a short time. Engage God in your goals. Let God be the one who determines the outcomes. It's learning how to trust him. You know, we get so focused on what we believe the outcomes of our lives should be, and then we look at the circumstance where we find ourselves right now, and if the place where we find ourselves right now doesn't seem to be leading towards the outcomes that we've determined we want out of life or that we desire, that can be a pretty discouraging place, can it? We can be frustrated. We can be frustrated with God that we're not getting towards those places that we dreamed we'd, we'd want to be. I spent some time with a friend the other day who was in this place. He was discouraged over a broken relationship. And truth be told, he had had a number of broken relationships. And he ended up thinking, this was not the outcome that I wanted in my life. This was not what I desired. He thought this was going to be his outcome, even though it wasn't his, his plan. You know, as I talked and listened and prayed together, I, I assured him that God sees a bigger picture than we do. God not only sees our life here, but he sees eternity as well. And he's got a good plan for you. You just got to lock into it in this season and discover what it is and then be obedient to trust God as you walk that out. I heard it said recently that if eternity is represented by the distance from here to the West Coast, our lives here on earth are only the first few steps of that journey. So if eternity is measured from here to California, I wouldn't even get halfway down the aisle in the distance as God sees our life here. This life is preparation for eternity. And God has good things for us here, but they pale in comparison to what he's planned for us. It's beautiful. It's a gift. Sometimes we get so focused on the pain that's here and the frustration of not getting the outcomes we desire that we miss out on the work that God wants to do in and through our lives as a part of his bigger plan. So this is kind of the crossroads of the message. When we look at our lives, are we going to say, hey, we're going to plan for, for forever. We're going to plan our way. We're going to determine what the outcomes of our life should be. Or are we going to plan the way that God intended? And that's what we're going to say, God, I'm going to plan for now. And I'm going to trust you with the outcomes of my life. The decision that we have to make is to surrender to God and let his desires determine the outcomes of our lives. So that's kind of the first thought that James gives. So we plan for now, not forever, when we first let God's desires determine our outcomes. And then second, when we live a life of responsive faith in our day-to-day. -day. When we live a life of responsive faith in our day-to-day. 
So what does that look like? Well, James tells us in, in one phrase what that looks like. In six words, he says, if it is the Lord's will. If it's the Lord's will. In verse 15, it says this. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will. Would you underline that or circle that? If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Have you ever known anyone who says, if it's the Lord's will or Lord willing? Anybody known anybody who, who said that before? Okay, if you know somebody who said that, it's probably not somebody who just said it once. If you know somebody who said that, it's probably somebody who said that a lot of times or said that consistently because it was kind of a part of their thinking, kind of a part of their way of life. My grandmother uh, said this all the time, and she was probably, of all the people that I've ever known, to me, she was the closest to Jesus of anybody I've ever known. So I grew up when I would hear, if it's the Lord's will or Lord willing, to me, you had to be a really spiritual person to say that, okay? Like, you didn't just get away with those words falling out of your mouth and you not mean that. Like, she meant it when she said it, and she would say it laughing, like, well, if it's God's will, I'll still be here tomorrow, and we'll get to see you tomorrow. Ha, ha, ha. If not, I die. Ha, ha, ha. Like, she just, for her, it was just like, it just kind of, it was how she lived. It was what embodied her, so you fully believed it. You believed with all of your heart that, hey, she was living like and saying, God, if it's your will, my life's yours. If it's your will, it's going to happen in my life. But James says that phrase isn't just for the most spiritual among us. James says that phrase is for all of us. That phrase is for all of us. He says, instead of playing this game of trying to predict the future and making definitive plans based on the guesses that we have or our projections, we should start by asking God to clue us in on his will. You know, we could save ourselves a lot of grief and disappointment and frustration if when we plan, we would pause and say, if it's the Lord's will, God, if this is your will, would you affirm this plan? God, would you help me walk into your plan? You know, maybe we should think more about God's will as we plan our day-to-day. -day. How might God want to surprise you and me in our day-to-day -day if we prayed each day for his will to be done in our day and not just our will to be done? You know, if we prayed a prayer that we said, God, I'm going to be listening today and I'm going to be watching for how you're at work around me. I'm going to watch, God, for where you're at work and I'm going to partner with you in that because, Lord, more than anything, I want your will to be done in my life today. You know, I'll be honest with you, one of the first things I do, either the night before I go to bed or the first thing in the morning is look at my appointments for that day and see what's ahead of me. It's one of the first things I do. A lot of times it's, Siri, please read my appointments for today. And then Siri reads my appointments to me. As I was preparing the message this week, one of the things that I wanted to make a practice as I was getting ready this week was to ask God every day to inform my, my plans. To say, God, I'm going to be listening and watching for how you're at work throughout my week this week because I am a tremendous list maker. And the week before vacation, you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs done, especially if you have a family. There's a lot of things you need to tie up in order to go. There's a lot of things you need to get ready in order to, to move your family. And so I've got some big lists of things that need to get done. And this week, I just wanted to say, God, I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss your will happening around me because I'm too focused on all the things that I want to move forward and all the things that I feel I need to do. I don't want to miss it. I want to be surprised by how you're at work in me for the invitations that you have, God, for me to partner with what you're doing in me and around me. I don't want to miss it. And it was amazing this week how many times I felt a peace and a sense of, 
you know what? I don't need to worry about that. God, if it's your will, it's going to happen. You're going to move that piece forward. God surprised me this week in a number of things at how much easier they felt when I just allowed him to move them forward and I wasn't pushing so hard. He surprised me. God surprised me this week at how much he gave me his heart and his desires for things that I wouldn't maybe even have been attuned to if I hadn't been praying that prayer. Lord, what's your will today? How are you at work? How can I join in in what you're doing? For some of the bigger decisions in my life, it's taken me a long time to get to the place where I can consistently say, God, if it's your will, where I can fully say, God, I trust you in this big decision. It's taken me a while but over time, God's faithfulness has brought me to a place where I can trust him even in the big things. Let me give you an example. As our family started to grow, I started to have a lot of selfish thoughts. Let me tell you one of them. One of my selfish thoughts was, how old will I be when all of my kids graduate high school and my wife and I actually get our life back? Like, I started to think that way. You know, this dream that we had prayed for, stair-step children, you know, it's all beautiful. But now that they're all here, how long till we get them all out? And I actually might have some time or be able to get my life back. Just thinking about that, that's a selfish thought. So, you know, my oldest, Eric, graduated a couple years ago when I was 46. And Marcus will graduate next year when I'm 49. And my third son, Ben, will graduate when I'm 51. And then my daughter, Julia, will graduate from high school when I'm 54. And that was all fine. And then God started us down this foster and adopt journey. So then my daughter, Annie, will graduate from high school when I'm 60. My son, Andre, will graduate from high school when I'm 61. You can see where this is going. And I, God knows how many other kids might end up in our home. I just don't, I hold that with open hands anyway. So I'm thinking about this. You know, and as I'm processing this, I'm like, they're going to be wheelchairing. I'm going to be wheeled in to my kids' <laughs> events in high school. People will be like, oh, is that your grandpa? No, that's my dad. <laughs> he can't speak anymore. Just go up and talk to him. Pat him. He's a nice guy. Processing that, my will, something I think I need on the other side of kids, something I think I want, I desire, my will, my outcome. Okay, God, you gave the family. Now I want, I want more. I want something different. What's the outcome? What's the picture I want to paint that I need on the other side? As I'm learning to live this responsive life of faith, as I'm learning to say, no, God, I can trust you with the big things, then I can look back and I can see the amazing experience that I've had being a dad to all these kids. The amazing ways that, that I've grown, the amazing ways that I continue to grow, the people that I've met along the way that have blessed me and, and, and been a part of changing my life, the people that God has used me or my family to impact along this journey. And I look at how close my wife and I have become in teaming together to raise this circus of a family that God has given us and how much I love my family and I wouldn't trade any member or any of it for any other outcome. Never would. And I can say I'm grateful. I'm grateful that by the grace of God, he aligned my heart enough with his that I could stop focusing on myself and continue to shift my focus to him and his will that I was able to hold my plans loosely enough that I didn't make any decisions about my outcomes that thwarted any of those things happening that I would have missed out on in God's will and that God was able to lead me and mold me and show me that he wants to me to not be so wrapped up in what I thought was going to be my own great plan for my life and for my future, but to trust him in the present 
and respond to his daily leading and his daily promptings. And I love verse 16 because here comes James. Just stick it in our face again. Here he says in verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Let me just say, uh, let's just say this. Let's say that we ignore James's advice and we plan for our forever. We control all the outcomes. We do everything that James is warning us against. We plan the best case scenario. And let's say that those best case scenarios play out. We reach all of our dreams and goals. We get that thing that we had predicted. We, we arrive at that, that outcome. What do we get out of it? Maybe it's the job that we wanted. Maybe it's the American dream, whatever that looks like for you, your white picket fence, your two point, I think it's now 2.2 children, it's the average, something like that, your 2.2 children and your big mortgage, whatever it is, whatever your dream is, maybe it's that. Maybe we make some serious money like the businessmen that, that James planned, uh, that he, he told the story about. But James says that the biggest reward that we're going to receive is we're going to get to say, look at what I did. Look at what I was able to accomplish. Look at how successful I was able to become. James says, your reward is you get to brag. If you do it your way, you get to brag. And for a time, that feels great. But there are many self-made men and women out there who will tell you that making it on your own doesn't give you the fulfillment that you're looking for. But catch this, but a man or a woman who wants to follow God, a man or a woman who learns to trust God's will, lives a life of responsive, responsive faith, a responsiveness to God, and is able to trade that self-promotion or bragging that James is talking about for then being able to say, look at what the creator of the universe was able to accomplish in and through my life. That's awesome. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because look at what the creator of the universe was able to do inside of me, the work of transformation that he's done in my life. Look at the work that he's done through my life that I would have never dreamed or expected could be done. Look at the outcomes of my life as I surrender to God that I would have never even dreamed would be an, an outcome that I would desire. And it's those very outcomes that bring me more fulfillment than anything else in my life. We get to brag on God when we learn how to be surrendered to his will in the day-to-day. -day. So when we make the decision to plan for now and not forever, we're able to live in the moments and see God at work in and through us. Because here's the thing, God is always working. He is always working behind the scenes. He's working right now in your life, around your life, through your life. God is desiring to work right now in this moment. God has plans for you in this day that align with his will that you may or may not experience based on your attentiveness to the work of God in your life. Sometimes those ways can intersect with your plans and we call those divine moments or we call them divine appointments or we call them God moments. Has anyone have, ever had a God moment or a divine appointment when your life intersected with this thing that God was doing and all of a sudden you're like, oh my word, that was amazing. Like it was so clearly a God thing. Has anyone ever experienced that before? Whatever you call them, if you're paying attention, you won't miss them and you can respond to them and this is what I want to encourage you to today. God's will isn't accomplished just in the big picture. God's will isn't accomplished just in the outcomes. God's will is accomplished in the journey. It's accomplished in the everyday. 
I had a guy come up to me after first service and he said, I never thought of this before, but it just blows my mind that when I first came to Christ, when I first gave my life to God, I didn't have this big experience. He said, the only thing I stopped doing is using the Lord's name in vain. He said, that was the only thing that changed. He said, I wondered if I had missed it. But he said, now I can look back and see what a different person I am, 10 and now 20 years later for him. I can see how God has changed me and transformed me. That's the miracle. The miracle is God's will was accomplished in my life throughout the journey that led me to a different outcome than I ever expected it would lead me to. You know, I think we make the Christian life way too complicated because we focus on all the things that we feel we should do and we condemn ourselves and shame ourselves about all the things that we feel we aren't doing as a Christian. But while we're doing all that, we stay so busy with our plans and we have very little time precious little time to slow down and consider what God is wanting to do, what his will is to do in and through us in the moment. Have you ever seen a horse pulling a buggy? We're close enough to Lancaster County that hopefully you've passed that or seen that on the side of the road somewhere. What do all the horses have on their heads? Blinders, right? They have blinders, and there's a very good reason for that because it helps them to focus on what is in front of them without being tempted to look at what's going on around them because if they could see in the peripheral vision, they would get spooked and you would never get anywhere. They would never be able to pull because they would be so distracted and so scared and so nervous. So they put blinders on so the horses can only see what is directly ahead of them. And I want to share with you this morning that I think we live like horses with blinders on because we only focus on our plans. We only see what is directly in front of us and we spook so easily when things interrupt our plans. We get so distracted when, whenever anything interrupts what we see as the direction we need to go. And I believe that God is calling us to take the blinders off, that that's not what faith looks like. Faith looks like when we can see out of our peripheral vision, when God gives us this peripheral faith vision, say that quickly a number of times, when God gives it to us and our eyes are open to how he's at work, over here and over here. And yeah, we might have goals or direction that we're heading, but all of a sudden we're aware. We're aware that God is doing stuff in us and he's doing stuff around us and he, he's got things that we can allow to intersect with our lives and that when we do, these amazing God moments and these amazing things happen. We need to be confident that God's working in us. He's made some promises to us about that. He says that he's, he'll complete the work that he started in us. He also tells us that he's prepared good works in advance for us to do as his children. God says he's doing that stuff in us and through us, and he says he's doing that stuff around us, but sometimes we miss out on what God is up to because it feels more like a disruption to us instead of a divine appointment because we're too focused on ourselves and our own goals. And this is why it's so important for us to think of our plans as for now and not forever. God makes the forever plans. He determines the outcomes. We hold our plans loosely enough so that we can respond to him. Should we have plans? Yes, we should. James had plans. Paul had plans. But God has plans for us. And responsive faith keeps us open to those plans. And here's a beautiful thing. When we respond to God, that's when we experience his power. And lives are changed. Our life is changed when we respond to those God moments, our life is changed, the lives of others are changed, and we learn how to trust God more. We learn how to trust him. 
So here's a question. Are you willing to keep your plans flexible enough to join God in the mysterious ways that he's a work around you? Are you willing to trust him? <laughs> and I think James, just making sure he makes his point, leaves us with this one last thought about our possible resistance to being open to what God is doing around us. James leaves us with this. He says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. <laughs> Here's what James is saying in this context. He's offering this caution. He's saying, when you know what God is inviting you to do and you don't do it, it's sin. And let me tell you why this is important. Anything that falls short of God's best for you or for others is sin. Those missed opportunities grieve God's heart because we're not only missing out on God's best for our lives when we have those blinders on, but we're missing out on the way that God would want to work in us and work through us to impact the lives of others. We just miss it. And so whenever we stray from God's best, that's sin. When we put God's desires at the center of our planning, he never disappoints us. I want to encourage you this morning, hold your plans loosely and keep your plans flexible enough to follow God's lead and God's going to do amazing thing in our, things in our lives. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe you're here this morning and you need to answer that question. Are you willing to keep your plans flexible enough to join God in the mysterious ways that he works? And really that kind of comes down to, are you ready and willing to trust God with your plans for your life this morning? Some of you this morning might be very aware that you're holding tightly to some of your plans and your outcomes, and you need to loosen your grip a little bit so that you can be responsive to what God might want to be saying to inform those plans. God, you are so faithful. You are so good. God, we trust you today. We trust you, Lord, with the big outcomes of our lives. We trust that you are leading us to good things for us and for the people that we love. We trust that you can do miraculous things in us, like heal us and forgive us, give us hope when we despair. God, we trust you with the step-by-step. -step. Ultimately, God, you are the good shepherd. And you lead us to pastures that provide for our needs, that protect us and keep us safe and enable us to en enjoy the full measure of an abundant life under your leadership. We trust you today, God. We thank you for your faithfulness. Would you help us to hold loosely to the things we sometimes cling to? And would you help us to take a step of faith to take off the blinders and allow you to inform the day by day and the moment by moment so that we can start to experience your transforming power in us. Thank you, Lord, for the challenge this morning. Thank you that you love us and that we can experience your grace even as we've walked away from you and moved towards our own plans so many times, Lord. You still offer us grace to return. You say, come and trust me. I'll lead you to good things. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give you just a moment to respond this morning and can take out your response card. Any prayer request you have, you can write it on there. But I want to keep bringing you back to the beginning of the book of James where James says, if you look at your face in the mirror and you walk away, you've seen it, but you walk away and you do nothing about it, what good is it? 
And I just want to remind you, if God spoke to you this morning, if the Holy Spirit prompted your heart in any way, and you need to respond, whether that's through just saying, God, I'm going to trust you. Maybe God spoke to you about a specific thing in your life that you're just clinging tightly to. This is my plan, God. This is my plan. I have a desired outcome. I'm not going to let this go. I don't want you to be in it, Lord. I don't trust you enough to let you in it. Maybe today you just open up and say, God, I'm going to hold it loosely. I'm going to invite you to inform my heart and my character and my person and change me if you need to, change the outcome if you need to, change my direction if you need to, but God, I'm not moving forward in this plan without you. I'm going to trust you. Maybe that's part of your response today. Whatever your response is, take the next couple moments, write it down. Any other prayer requests you have, please feel free to write those down as well. We'd love to pray for you. And our prayer partners are in the back. Don's back there. They'd love to just listen to you today. If you'd like somebody to pray for you this morning, anytime between now and the end of the service, you can go back and they'll listen and then they'll pray with you. Nothing scary back there, just people who, who care and will pray with you this morning. But let's take these next couple moments and respond to God as he leads us to respond. And then we pick these last couple songs because they declare all that we were talking about this morning from God's word. So maybe worship is a part of your response as well. Let's respond to God.